0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, we talk to a guy who did that. He, did, he achieved a life of freedom, choice, and abundance, and he did it in record time. We speak with today with Daniel Kramazewski, who is a dash dot client. We talk, he's such a great guy with a great energy. We talked about his journey through property before, uh, all of the stuff that he'd done. But what I find most interesting about this story, uh, most this journey, is that... We helped him to achieve his six-year goal in 14 months, which sounds absolutely too good to be true. Um, So if you are interested to understand how that happened, then listen to this episode because it's great. And there's so many good gold nuggets in this episode and good lessons and good learnings. every time i catch up with daniel i really thoroughly enjoy it and i reckon this is one of the best podcasts that i've recorded for you guys in quite some time i really thoroughly enjoyed this and i'm confident that you guys are going to enjoy it too so without any further ado if you like this episode once you've listened to it make sure you share rate review send it to a friend, family member friend or loved one but let's let me stop waffling let's get stuck into it i'll see you on the inside Hey guys. Welcome back to The Investor Lab. Joining me on today's show is a... I'm going to call you a serial entrepreneur. I don't know how you feel about that. But um, we've got an entrepreneurial property investor by the name of Daniel Kramazeski. Daniel, how are you? Good. I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's a real pleasure. So um, I've had the pleasure of um, getting to know you over the last couple of years as we've been helping you to build your property portfolio. Um, I still actually distinctly remember the very first conversation we had on the phone. I literally remember exactly where I was walking and exactly where I was going. I remember the whole thing. Um, so it's been really awesome uh, to get to know you over, over the last couple of years and to, and to have you on that journey. But most nobody else has had that opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. So why don't you give us a little bit of a background? Tell us who, who are you, what do you do? Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yeah, excellent. Well, so I'm 46 years old, married. I have an 8-year-old. Um, career-wise, I, I guess I've been working for 30 years. I can sort of break that down to three 10-year blocks. So, start off 10 years at McDonald's. So, pretty much went through the stores and ended up in their marketing department. Mm-hmm. The next 10 years I spent in, in cafes and real estate. So, owning cafes and then also owning a real estate office. And then these last 10 years, I've been working sort of in the real estate industry, but in smoke alarm compliance. So, testing res, um, smoke alarms in residential rental properties. So, that's yep. really my career broken down into three sort of distinct areas, I guess.
0: Nice. Didn't. It- Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you have like a fashion business or something at some point? Yeah, that's true, actually. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: my wife um, runs a a clothing retail store, which we've had for about 15 years. Um, I bought it when I was in real estate as a business broker It's something that a business that came across that I was asked to sell and ended up buying it. So we've had that for about 15 years. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. And where else did you grow up? Southwest Sydney. So an area called Reesby. So somewhere between sort of Bankstown and Liverpool.
0: Yeah. Nice, and you said you owned a real estate office, right? So, just to clarify, what that means—real yeah, estate agency, right? Selling properties, yes. property management, absolutely stuff like that. That's really interesting. How old were you when you? How old were you? Did you um, start working at that business, or did you buy that business, or did you start that business from scratch?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So, when I I, I was in cafes, and the, and the location where my cafe was that I owned, I was surrounded by real estate agents. And a lot of my customers, are real estate agents, would they'd come in and bring their clients in for coffee, and I mm. always joke around and whatever with them and say, oh, "Look, I've got a best position right on the corner. One day I'm going to open a real estate office right amongst you." And then, long story short, um, the opportunity came up, and I, I decided to close down the cafe that I had and open up a real estate office. And it was a franchise business, and I did that for about sort of four or five years between sort of two thousand one to two thousand five and six, right when um, the market was. Everything that I sold, I sold for less than they bought it for. So it was a really tough time to be selling property. You know, someone bought a house for four hundred thousand. You're telling them the best you can get now, and this market's three hundred fifty thousand.
0: Hang on, can, what years were they?
1: Well, I'm guessing it's sort of two thousand one to two thousand five six, somewhere around that period
0: there. So O one to O six. I'm not going to pin you down to that. I'm just yeah. generalised. And where was that? Where was that uh, office? The office is in Padstow. so southwest Sydney once again. So, that's really interesting. You know what? There's a few things that are really interesting about that. So, number one is that during that period of time in the, in the early 2000s, um, r- broadly speaking, real estate was booming.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, one would hope in certain areas are just like that. I think it was just, the market was just cooling off people who had bought at the high. And then this search, you know, situations changed. Divorces, yeah. you know, marriages, whatever was going on in their lives and they had to exit that property. And you know you go on there and tell them the sad news that hey it's not worth what you bought it for. And people, you know, we're so we have such a buoyant real estate market. They always felt that that's just not the case. Everything you buy is going to continue to go up. Yeah, it's all about timing. I mean, that's that's the market, right?
0: Yeah, it's so fascinating, right? And so. Because you're right. A lot of people think that you just buy property and it goes up. Right? Yeah. You just buy property and it goes up. And particularly, I think people think that in Sydney, if it's got like if it's in Greater Sydney, you buy property and it goes up. Yeah. I think people forget that properties in Sydney also go down. In I mean, they go down. They they either go flat or slightly down, or pretty much pretty much everywhere happens everywhere. Yeah. But absolutely. people people I think particularly don't realize that in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because during that period of time, it like there was huge parts of the country that were absolutely... That was like the, one of the biggest boom periods we had was 01 to 06 yeah. for many parts of the country. So that's really fascinating. And you opened up a real estate office at a time where your local market <laughs> was doing the opposite. Unbelievable. How, how, how did that go? Was it why? And why did you stop doing it? Was it just because you were like after five years or whatever, you were sick of trying to tell people that you're giving them the bad news or yeah, what was the story?
1: A, a little bit, but I, I didn't... I just didn't love the job, to be honest. Um, What I found is that... I mean, you know, it's one of the, it's, it's an occupation where you sort of, it's all about reputation and the information you're dealing with. The agent always passing on information between the vendor and the buyer. And the vendors tend to hide things from you, even though you're on their side working for them. You ask them, look, is there any problems with the property? Anything I should know so I can get ahead of it in case it comes out into building a pest inspection? I would I'd like to get ahead with it with the buyer. And they would just hide things from you previous termite like damage, that sort you know, any sort of issues or maintenance they had. Mm. Then you'd finally get someone over the line in a tough market. The pest and building would come out and they'd discover this. You go back to the vendor and they're like, oh, I, I didn't think you'd notice or they'd find out. So you go to the buyer and you try to explain to them. And they're like, ah, oh, real estate agents are all liars. Yeah. And you're really stuck in the middle with, you know, really limited control over the outcomes. And I I just felt that to be really like a frustrating position.
0: Yeah, it's that's really interesting. What was your motivation to actually start doing that? Like like because what you touched on there is really interesting, because of situations outside of your control, you were forced to be in a position where people would basically say, you're just another one of those untrustworthy real estate agents, yes. right? Real estate doesn't have a great reputation, right? Yeah. It does not have a great reputation. Yeah. What, what actually motivated you to want to go into that side of it? Like, that's it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, look, I, I liked it. I like the sort of, I mean, there's some, some prestige on the outside of it. I'm in a cafe pulling coffees wearing a black t-shirt like I am today. And everyone's walking in with, you know, shiny shoes, a fancy suit and a $10,000 watch. And I'm thinking, you know, what am I doing? I should be doing that as well. So Mm. that part of it looks exciting. But the reason I got out was probably the exact opposite where I might be a little bit thin-skinned in some areas. I I remember distinctly the time that I decided I wanted to get out of real estate. Mm. And that was I was on a driveway and I was, I was doing a second inspection for a home. And usually during second inspection, I tend to stay out of the house and I'd let the person, the potential buyer, walk in by themselves because that's the time they're thinking about where I put my furniture, will our dining room table fit here, that sort of thing. So you let them get emotionally attached on that second inspection. Yep. And when I was outside on the driveway… Um, that the buyer was holding it, they had like a like a, a nine-month-old son, and I was sort of saying, "Hello, how are you going?" You know, and because he was a similar age to my nephew, and he, and he wasn't smiling. And I remember the 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 buyer saying to me, "I oh, don't trust him. He's a real estate agent."
0: Ooh. And I broke me goose. Yeah, no, like, I wouldn't be able to handle that. It's crazy, yeah. right?
1: That's a bit thin skin to me. But then I realized, I don't know, ins-
0: I don't know if that is thin skin. Like if you if you're like you know if you take pride in your integrity and stuff, yeah. like. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to wear that badge either.
1: So yeah, and that was this. I decided then. You know what? I'm. i want to have kids in the future as well. At that time, I'm like, this. This is not going to be for me. I. I don't want that reputation because I was really trying to do the right thing. That's what I felt, honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So okay. So when we um when we met over the phone, albeit yeah. I've never actually met in person. It's the closest we've ever ever gotten. I think. So um, you already had a few properties, right? Yeah. So you already you had already been a, an investor. You had. Being in real estate in a literal sense. Yes. When did you first start getting interested in uh, in real estate?
1: Yeah, probably just when you know, while I was working at McDonald's and stuff, I just uh, you know, I was working with someone at the time who was starting to buy a little bit of real estate. And he was sort of saying to me, you know, what are you doing buying cars and all this sort of stuff? You, you know, you work hard, you're doing long hours, you don't really have anything to show for it. And at the time, I remember saying to myself, like i was saying to him, look around where I live, I just couldn't afford to buy. And he's like, so, don't buy where you live, like buy further away from where you live, you know. So, you work out what your budget is and work backwards, just keep driving sort of west until you can find somewhere you can afford to buy. So, I mean, that's in essence what I did, you know.
0: So, that was the investment thesis keep, keep driving until you found something you could buy. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> eventually you'll find
1: somewhere you can afford to
0: live. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And so, how old were you when you bought your first investment property? Uh, I believe I was 20. That's pretty good going. Yeah, not, yeah. not a lot of twenty-year-olds. You know, when I was twenty, I wasn't thinking about property. I can tell you yeah. that much.
1: <laughs> yeah, prices are a bit different back then, just as you'd imagine.
0: Yeah, 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 totally. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhat, somewhat relative. I was going to say it's relative, but it wasn't exactly yeah. relative. Yeah, but no, it makes sense. So, okay, so tell me, um, tell me a little bit about your before we met and before we started working together. What yeah. was your What was your investment thesis? Tell me a little bit about your portfolio. What worked? What didn't? Did you have any kind of like yeah. I mean, obviously, you were sort of going it alone into the yeah. great big wide world of property investing. I'm interested to know how that went and, yeah, any any challenges you might have sure. faced.
1: Okay. So, I started when I bought that first property. So, I bought I bought a first property um, and it was in Campbelltown, Southwest Sydney, sort of down the highway 30, 40 minutes from where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought that property. I went back. I, I bought it and it wasn't really difficult. I didn't need a lot of money to get into it and it was positively geared. And at that time, everything was sort of all the media, everyone you spoke to, negative gear, negative gear. So I'm there and people are around me saying, this is crazy, you're going to pay tax in this sort of scenario and it's just for savings, it will never go up in value, that sort of talk. So I went back to, after the deal was done, the bank manager that I borrowed money from rang me and said, hey, come back and just have a chat about how the experience went. And this had been about six months. And I told him what had happened. Here's, you know, here's what we paid. Here's the rent. And he said to me, I could lend you money again, you know, and, I, and probably more than I lent you last time. I was like, well, how does that work? He's like, well, in essence, your income's gone up because, you know, it's positive gift property. So I'm like, okay. So we got pre-approved and I bought again within six months. And then I did again about another, I think, just less than a year later. So it's three very quickly back to back. And then it was at that time where... I had sort of risen above everyone in my circle. And this is a conversation you and I had early days. You're like, you bought property, you're a real estate agent, you seem to have some business acumen. Why are you talking to me for? Mm. And I sort of said to you, I got to a position before where I had some properties and probably my circle wasn't good enough. And, I, and what I was looking for when I joined you on the DashDot It really was about mentorship, was about when i get to a point in my portfolio again because that's where i want to go mm. and i get the i get the wobbles a little bit get the shakes because i'm not really confident i need someone to remind me hey what you're doing is really normal and and i need to be the small guy in the room so that i can get elevated again and someone says no no, no, remember the plan we had we now's the time we push through we don't get you know we don't get comfortable we don't get complacent we really need to push through so that's probably really the time when um so i went through that i exited all that properties. Uh, I went through a divorce a few years later. So, I mean, as I say, love is grand and divorce is 500 grand, so, which um, <laughs> I found out the hard way. So, that's why I pretty, really went through a stage where I just sort of exited everything, spent a few years overseas. And then when I came back and wanted to get serious again, now I'm sort of early 40s in a new marriage and really want to reestablish myself. And this time I thought if I'm going to do it properly, mm. I need to do it with a team.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love that. I love the way that you phrase that around, like sort of getting the wobbles and all of that kind of stuff. Because I think that's actually where a lot of people go go wrong. A lot of people might get into it and maybe get one, statistically speaking, one or two. Most people yeah. don't get past there, and then they either just get distracted by life. Happens, sure. Or they get the wobbles and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do next, and they just so they never get there. You know, yeah. like. Yeah. You know, statistically speaking, you probably need about five properties in order to be able to achieve the goals that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And most people get stuck at two, so they just you know. And so, yeah, the way I think, the way I kind of think about how we fit into the journey, aside from like you know the, all of the actual getting the properties and you know, is actually the kind of almost like a personal trainer, you yeah. know, to go, hey, no, 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 it's cool, you can do it. Like, just go to the next step. You're going to get there. So that's awesome, man. That's great. So, tell me then. Um, so, when we started working together, you had. You still had the properties then, didn't you?
1: No, I had, you know, I had some different properties at the time. So you yeah. gave me a really good ego check here. You said, like, how many properties do you have? And I'm like, three. And you're like, talk me through it. And I'm like, I've got a house, granny flat. And you're like, that's one. And I've got a unit. And you're like, that's two. Oh, like, okay. And you asked me, sort of, so what's the yield on these properties? Now, I should know what the yield is, right? Ex real estate agent. I didn't know the yield, didn't even know how to calculate it because. In real estate at the time, when I was in real estate, people didn't talk yield. Everything was just a good investment, and the only time we talked yield was really in commercial terms, we talked about commercial property and returns, because that was really when the numbers were important, but selling residential was just emotional. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Talking about the upside, the potential, not really talking about yields in terms of numbers, hard numbers. So I liked the really cold, hard statistical approach you took with me, and that you checked my ego.
0: Yeah, nice, nice, yeah. nice. No, that's good. That's good. And you still have those? Um, do you still have those two properties—the apartment and the house with the granny flat?
1: Actually, I have. I exited the the apartment, and that was sort of based on your advice. You, I said to you, look, tenants have moved out. I'm having a bit of a situation. Probably needs a freshen up. I think I should probably renovate it and try to just sort of maximize it. And you said to me, Daniel, has it served this purpose? And I'm like, yeah. And you're like, so let it go. You need to move on. So. I did end up renovating it because that's the type of guy I am. I don't always take advice, so
0: I'm the same. I'm the same, by the way. I'll I'll listen to the advice and then I'll choose whether I take it. So that's fair. (laughs) So I
1: I did a renovation, put it back for rent, and um, and I'll give some numbers on this as well. So I spent, you know, I sort of did bathroom, kitchen floors, and stuff like that, really freshened up. When I put it back for rent, this was really early COVID, where a lot of people had exited the country, and it was in Mortdale, in sort of south South Sydney, Mm. and there was 226. Empty two-bedroom units on the market when I went to market for that, so there was just no potential to rent this property. So um, the property at the time uh, was a pre-renovation; it was renting for about four twenty. Now I was looking at three fifty, and it was vacant for a month. So then I thought, you know what? Now's the time to exit. So I sold it in for six hundred twenty thousand, which was because it just presented really well, and there was there was nothing for sale in the area; everything was for rent. So mm. God knows why someone thought that was great to buy as an investment, but. That was when um, that was. I took the money from that and rolled into the second purchase with you guys. And this was on the back of your f- the first purchase we did together, which we'll probably get into. Mm. Um, I gave you a comment. I said, look, this is a bit vanilla for me, Goose. And you're like, I'm going to find something spicy for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So be- before, we get, before we get to that, because I do want to dig into those, because I'd love to get your um, reflection on, the, on the, the portfolio that we've helped you build now. Yeah. But before that, but when we decided to get started together, do you remember what your goal was? Remember the goal that yeah, we set out to? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I started off like most people are, and I said to
1: you, you know what? I said fifty to one hundred thousand free cash flow by the time I'm fifty, and I was at forty-four at that time, so six years, fifty to one hundred thousand. You're like, so what is it, man? Fifty or hundred? Because these are two different paths. So I said, seventy oh, seventy-five. Let's just draw a line in the middle. You're like, you're like okay, that's cool. We can do that because. We can do 100, we can do 50, we can do 75, but all of these journeys are going to look a little bit different. So what do you want to do? So just being on the conservative side, because I thought, you know, I wasn't totally convinced at that time. So I wasn't drinking from the Kool-Aid yet.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. So we settled on 75K. Yep. Uh That was the target. Yep. Awesome. Sweet. And so... I'd love your reflection on let, let's have a, let's have a chat about some of the properties that um, that we've bought for uh, for you over the last because we've helped you buy in the last in the last eighteen months helped you buy four properties yeah we did
1: four in thirteen basically
0: yeah four in thirteen there you go yeah. that's a better correction four four in thirteen nice. You're I can tell you're a little bit um you're like got a bit of a competitive edge there because you didn't want to let that go you're like, no no four in thirteen, it's, mate. Hey it's 13. ego metrics.
1: You can slap me down So, okay. no, no, it's
0: good, it's good. It's good to be self it's good to be self competitive. It's all right. So um let's talk about that then. What was like what was the first property we bought for you? What was that like?
1: Okay, December 2020 in Armadale in Western Australia. Um two hundred and forty two thousand and it's renting
0: at three fifty a week, so seven point five two yield. Nice. How do you feel about that?
1: I like it when i that's the one i said to you look it's a bit vanilla you know um it had sort of you know you can put a granny flat on it and i did look i did look at doing that I've got a quote on that to see if that was a time and then you sort of said to me look that's later let's yeah yeah let's do a granny flat but let's use the the equity from that property to build its own granny flat don't put cash into that now as a land grab time use any cash to continue to sort of grow your footprint
0: yeah yeah and that property as well is also yeah. since we since we bought it, it's grown by nearly thirty percent. It's grown by twenty seven point three percent as wow. well, which yeah, is wow. which is pretty which is pretty good. Yeah. That's a, that was a really interesting one because I did some um, reflection on that property a little while ago, and we bought like literally right at the bottom of the dip, like perfectly yeah. tied at the bottom of the dip. Nice. So that one that property there has um, given you a an eighty nine point five percent return on invested capital so yeah, far, wow. which is pretty awesome. good. Jump. Um, okay, so we go to that property in Armadale, and even though it had granny flat potential, that wasn't spicy enough for you. So tell us, what do we do next? So next we went to, and this is the one that we we rolled the money out of the unit into this
1: one. So um, the you know the unit I sold for six twenty, and and then we went to Bundaberg and we bought a three pack for six thirty five. So essentially the same mortgage. Now this property here, um, big square meterage, I think around a thousand square meters. The existing house at the front ends a duplex in the back so two two two-year-old duplex at the back yeah so that that was a really good that's that was spicy enough for me that was a real good when you look at that i went from to the mortal unit two bedroom unit at 350 potentially a week rent we flip over here and that bunderberg property same sort of mortgage size and there it was about 935 dollars rent a week Mm. so just i mean you know nearly 3x returns
0: yeah, totally, and that's just on the yield front. Not to mention yes. the growth. Um, yeah, that area, like a whole Bundaberg area, has been been cranking, and we can't even buy yeah. there anymore. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? So because um, prior, so both of those got pretty good yields. First year property seven and a half, and then yeah. I think the next one was about seven point seven. I think uh, yeah. across the board. How did that change your mindset around what could be done in terms of yields and stuff? Because prior to that, you wouldn't have been getting those kind of numbers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yield, well, I start to be yield focused, and then you start comparing because you know naturally people they buy where they live because mm. they understand the market, they feel comfortable, they can drive past it. So when I start looking at looking at local numbers, I'm like, you know, nothing's exciting where I live. I mean, capital growth wise, yes, but not from a yield perspective. And that's really what what we're talking about. Really, is growing a cash flow base to you know replace income and then give you more sort of freedom and choice. So. um I started to, that,
0: that's when I was like, okay, I'm in, let's go, let's do this. Yeah, that was, the that. once, yeah, because I remember after that first one, like, yeah, it's a bit vanilla. And I'm like, well, yeah. you can't put a granny flat on it. Do, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the thing that you wanted, but, you know, that's fine. You're like, all right, spicy, right? Let's go. And I remember yeah. after that one, that was when you were like, ah, that was like yeah. an aha moment. It let's was like, it. okay, yeah. let's go. Let's lean in. Let's get over the skis a little bit. So yeah. um, what happened next?
1: Uh, next, year we went to to Townsville. This one I did um, self managed super funds. Didn't have a lot of money in my super funds. because I, I was self employed for quite a long period of my sort of working career. But went to we went to Townsville and did a duplex, um, which was which was great. $392, um, 2 bedroom duplexes, returning five ninety a week, six hundred a week. Sort of they're a little bit under market still, but I mean we have potential to move those rents up. So this was you know it hasn't been that long since we bought these properties, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, they're still still relatively fresh because we did buy four in 13 months. Yes. Uh, And then pretty quickly after that one, like it was only like, it was only a couple of months after, wasn't it, that we ended up buying the the fourth one? What was that? Correct. Yes, that's right.
1: So that one there, um, we went to Rockhampton for the next one. So this one here, we bought a four-pack in Rockhampton. So this is like... Yeah, this is this is a really good one, man. To be honest, so big piece of land, two sets of two duplexes, all two bedders. so four times two bedroom um, duplex. And this one here, um, that that I mean, it's straight off the bat, it's a really good yield at nine and a half percent. But that that'll just go through the sorry, it's seven, I think it's about seven and a half. It'll go to nine and a half, ten percent easily because we had some really long term tenants there. One of the people have been there for eighteen years, so they're they're quite a bit under market rent, but really good Hactive. property for for a cash flow point of view.
0: Hectic. Yeah. So yeah. that's a screamer. So just to just to make sure that people listening uh, understand that. So that is two duplexes on one block, right? Yeah. And when we get when we get it up to market rent, it's going to be about nine and a half percent yield. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I remember so I remember getting a phone call from you uh, not that long ago where you basically said, Hey, goose well, you basically reached out to me and said, Hey Goose, can we have a quick chat? I said, Yeah, of course, man, no worries. And he said, Well, what do we do now? I said, What do you mean? I said, Well, we have kind of hit the goal. Like, what do we do now? Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Like, yeah, what was that absolutely. realization like?
1: Yeah, I remember the call. So, I'm, um, you know, we talked about sort of, you know, a five to six year goal. And then 13 months later, forty months later, we're there. And I'm like, Okay, um, wow, like things sort of moved forward and we got there. So I'm like, well, What next? And you know, you're, you're sort of said, well, we can keep doing more of the same or we can really start to change direction, have a look at it because we got to the foundation, we got to where you want it to go. So, let's look at where to from here. And I, I guess that really brings us to today's conversation. That's where we are.
0: Yeah, totally. And that's really interesting. Um, I, mean, I want to dig into that a little bit more though because you had a six-year goal mm-hmm. and you achieved it in 14 months. Yes, absolutely. How did that feel?
1: <laughs> yeah it's good like these are real breakthrough moments and i think you know just personality type for me um like i lean into things it's like once i believe and i'm a believer and i'm drinking from the kool-aid i lean in and i go quite quite hard so um and that's that's where people around me like you know you need to slow down a little bit and you really got to be conscious of the people you surround yourself with in these situations and that's the important part, that's the real value out of having like a dash dot in your team is because I, I know that's going to happen. I know I'm going to get there. And I know at that point, people around me aren't going to be, they, they're not going to move at the same speed or velocity. And I need to make sure I have someone around me that says, hey, this is what, let, let's go back to our conversation. Here's where we're going to be. And here's what the next steps look like.
0: Mm. So um, a lot of people, one of the challenges that we face is that a lot of people think that um. You know, if I was to go and tell someone out in the street or in the ether of the internet, yeah, we helped the guy achieve his financial goals in thirteen months or fourteen months or whatever it was. They'd just they'd basically call bullshit, basically. Yeah, and absolutely. Like they'd say, to, and that's actually one of the challenges we face because so many people they just think we're making it up. Yeah. So, what would you say to someone on the outside looking in, going, oh, "I don't know, I don't know. This sounds all sounds too good to be true." Yeah.
1: Yeah, I get it. I, I have these conversations all the time. And I think people fall into like sort of three camps. I, you know, they ask me what are you doing? And I explain what I'm doing. And the first part is that they like what you're doing and they're like, give me, give me these people's number, let me get involved. And that's the small part. The second part is I like what you're doing, but they don't actually believe they can do it. And they earn the same money as you, live in the same areas you, travel in the same circles, and they but they don't believe they can do it and do nothing about it. And the third part is. Um, people who just look at it and then, you know, they 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 sort of don't like the idea. They shit on it a little bit, you know. They they look at it and say, ah, this is regional areas they never grow. You just buy one good property in whatever area. So they don't subscribe to it and they just want to put it down. So that's mm. sort of where um I find that just through my conversations, they sort of fall into those three camps.
0: Yeah. So that's really interesting. Why do you think um people have that? mindset because i think when people shut ideas out it's usually because they're scared i think right so what do you think what do you think is like yeah i'd love to dig into that what is your view on on that kind of like whole kind of mindset piece around that
1: Well, I mean, statistically speaking, I mean, it's something you quote all the time about, you know, 90 something percent only own one property plus an investment property, like one investment property. I think that's really the thing. Most people don't know people who do what you do or what we, you know, people like myself do on that level. They just don't know. And I guess if they had two or three of me around them doing the same thing, that they'd believe it and see that it can be done and they would subscribe to it. But just... In their circles, in their little world that they live in, that bubble, it, they just don't experience it, so they just don't believe it, and they think it's not—it's not possible.
0: Mm, yeah, nice. So, what's your um? What's the goal now? Ah, oh, yeah, this
1: is a really good question. So, yeah, this is a yeah, it, it's good. Now I realise, like, just because of my age and where I am career-wise, like, I thought cash flow was the most important thing, but it, I don't need cash flow now. In all honesty, I need cash flow just because. It can keep momentum in my portfolio, but I don't actually need it because the point you're going to need the cash flow is the point where you want to step out of doing what you do, and I'm not mm. there yet. You know, I still still want to keep working, so it's not what I thought was the goal is not actually the goal, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, but I would say that you wouldn't be able to get to uh, you wouldn't be able to get to the platform of wherever you want to go without yes. making sure they've got the cash flow to be able to support the borrowing, and so Absolutely. all intertwined. So Absolutely. okay, so so now okay, so I'm going to say it again. What now? What's the goal? Yeah.
1: Well, now the goal is um, to make sure I can continue to move forward, but I can take a different level of risk now. I think mm. bases are covered, so I can take a more long-term approach. Um, our conversations, we know, like, okay, what does this next probably look like? You're probably not going to hear me say cash flow. You're probably not going to hear that's going to yeah. be the key component. I'm going to say, well, let's, let's have a long-term view. We can play a little bit riskier if that's the case. But let's not put anything in the way that stops us from moving forward if I want to continue to grow the portfolio.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, because I like to call that hitting save, like pre- hitting save, yes. right? Yeah. And I think everyone needs to focus first on just getting to a point where you can hit save, where you're like, yes. okay, cool. I've gotten to a platform and now I'm standing on that platform and if I did nothing else, if I just stopped, yeah then everything would be sweet. I'm good. I've got all my bases covered. That's yes. that's what I call hit and save. Yes. Yeah. Then once you hit save, yeah. then you can be like, well, okay, well, what do we do now? And yeah. then you've got optionality and you can choose. And and it's interesting you talk about like having that realization. Cash flow is great. And cash flow is important, right? And yeah. if you want to be able to, um, you know, live a life of freedom, choice and abundance, and do all that kind of stuff, you, you need a way to have a reliable, recurring revenue stream. Yes. But I'm kind of like you. A lot of people wonder like how I think about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want enough cash flows so I don't get stuck. Yep right? I want enough cash so that I don't get stuck, but I've got no intention of living off the cash flow in my portfolio, yeah, right. Yeah. right? At the moment, right? No, no intention of doing that anytime soon. No, that's cool. Okay. So, so now, okay. So now you want to keep, you want to keep going, but like fast forward, like you're not 50 yet, right? So no, now, yeah, yeah. now, like, what does your life goal look like? Cause now you're like, okay, now my goal is just to like scale the portfolio and have some fun. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Like what, what about for you? Like, what do you want to achieve? What does success look like?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So really for me, you know, I, I I don't look on sort of monetary terms what success looks like, but really yeah, just cool. about, it's just about choices really. Like I just want to be in a position where, who knows career-wise, um, you know, with, with where I am and what I'm doing, you know, if if it no longer makes sense, I don't enjoy doing what I'm doing anymore and I want to exit or I want, you know, I just want the, the ability and the choice to to make that decision without having to you know, you stay somewhere too long that you don't want to be and it no longer makes sense for you, but you're forced to because you really are dependent on that paycheck to keep, you know, to support your lifestyle. Mm. So um, I, I like where we've got to now. So, but the next step's really the big question like, where to from here? And it's probably, um, I mean, it's not for you to set my goals for me, but it's really about some guidance here to say, look, here's what the potential looks like, here's what we can do. And I, I guess seeing what some of that looks like, what excites me, which direction I really want
0: to go in. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's, I'm just writing a note that we can have that conversation straight <laughs> right yeah, after. Yeah. So that's all good. Uh, nice no, fun. So, okay, knowing what you know now, if you could go back to your 20 year old self, yes. right? When yeah. you bought that first investment property, go all the yeah. way back to 20. What advice would you give yourself? Doesn't have to be related to property, by the way. Yeah. But just pick that date. If you Absolutely. could go back to when you were 20, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Oh,
1: I mean, at that time, um, I, I, if I just kept doing what I was doing, you know, and I just did it for three or four years solid, like, you know, probably today we're not having the conversation. I might be sitting being a coladas on the beach somewhere. I mean, that that's the reality. If I just even held what I had or just added a few more then, you know, you, you, you're you pretty much out of the rat race. Um, however, you know, part of me doesn't like to look back and regret on those things either because totally. I'm enjoying the process now in all honesty. and. And I thought, because you look back and you're like, oh, it was much easier than whatever, but it's possible today. That's a reality right here, right today. Where are we? Sort of April 2022. You can start today. There are places you can buy. You don't need huge amounts of money. And you can make it happen. And you can start from not having a lot of capital um, and just really move forward. So um, I'm enjoying the process and I, I want to enjoy it. I, I like it. It's The money part is stressful. And I mean trying to gain finance. That part's the... But, you know, there's just so much paperwork and hoops you need to jump through, but it's just like a business. You just have to go, you, you see the challenge, you just need to work out how to get past it with a little bit of strategy. Once you get past it, you just keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's an interesting thing you pointed out there because as someone who did invest like quite some time ago, um, not that long ago, you're not that old, but Long ago no. enough. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, where like lending conditions were really, really different. And a lot of people do have it in their mind. Oh, properties were cheaper and yeah. finance was easier and, you know, and yeah, you know, cool. All of that yeah. kind of stuff is true, yeah. right? Yes. But they also, like I had a conversation with someone the other day who was like 25 yeah. and he was into investing in shares and crypto. I said, well, what why are you not investing, interest in property? Yeah. I said, because all properties cost a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you've bought... One for less than 250 grand. You bought another one for less than 400 grand. And you bought two in the 600s, right? Yeah. Smashing it, right? So, absolutely. Yeah. But you're right. It is a game of finance with a few houses thrown in the middle. That's the, um,
1: (laughs) yeah, it's absolutely that. And you you just can't let those those thoughts of, you know, it was easy before. Was it easy before? Absolutely. But you can't let that stop you because those times aren't coming back again. Here's the reality. Here's what it looks like today. And we don't know what the future looks like. So, today, here's the rules. Here's how to, to play in those rules of, and succeed in that time. And, and if it changes tomorrow, then we look at what tomorrow looks like. I mean, exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that's the value of being rooted in like a principles-based approach, right? Because you need to just go, okay, what does the environment look like now? And how do we, yes. if, if the destination is the same, what road do we need to take? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah no, awesome. Sweet, man. Mate, I've really cool. enjoyed this. Um, I've got, I think we're at to our last question, actually. Awesome. So I'm going to ask you now. Uh, imagine it's your last day on Earth. Years and years and years and years years, years and years down the line. You've lived a rich, full existence, and you've achieved everything that you wanted to achieve. You got your portfolio nice and spicy, you had a bit of fun, you've ticked all the boxes, everything like that. Uh, but for whatever reason, the moment you pass away, everything that you've ever created, achieved, anything is going to be wiped from the face of the earth. But you get to leave behind three simple truths. What three lessons you know that you can leave for the world? What three, what three truths or three lessons would you leave behind? Yeah,
1: Well, I mean, I know you asked this question from other podcast, and it's, it's a hard one to boil down if, in all honesty, but here's my three. So if you can only develop one skill, let it be sales, because I think sales skill, you're always going to sell yourself into an opportunity or whatever it is we're always selling. So I think that's a skill to develop if it's a skill. Um, understand the power of leverage and compounding, and this is not just about money. This is about energy, time, relationships, um, skills. So I think those two, that leverage and compounding is a big part of it. And lastly, I think there's nothing worse in life than the regrets. So I think you just need to get out there and make it happen.
0: Nice. I love that. I love that. I love all of those. I actually massively agree with all of them. Uh, I always enjoy our conversations. Um, so no, that's good. Are there any kind of final, any kind of final thoughts, or any other kind of um, pieces of wisdom you might want to pass on to the listener? Um, things that people might, you think they might need to know that I didn't ask.
1: Possibly the last one. This is the number four on my list that didn't quite make it to my three truths, but. You only have one mum, so you should kiss her every time you see her because you just never know when the last time you're going to see your mum. So I'll just probably, that's my parting comment there. <laughs>
0: okay, nice. That is a good one. That is a good one. And, and again, very, uh, very apt. So that's awesome. Daniel, mate, I've loved this and uh, it's been an enjoyable uh, couple of years and I'm, I'm looking forward to many, many more. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Really appreciate Absolute it. Absolute
1: pleasure. Thanks, Goose. Much appreciated.
0: See you soon. Bye. <laughs>